Okay, I think we're on air. Um, good morning. This is uh, the Wisdom Seekers class at the Father's Church in Dallas. And we welcome everybody who is here in this house and also those who are listening um, on the air or through the network. And um, <coughs> the title of our lesson today is Adonai. And um, of course, we all know this is not a, a new uh, revelation or teaching, um, but it's always good, I think, to have a refresher or, or a reminder of how God functions in uh, his different capacities of who he is. And um, so this morning we're going to talk about um, the capacity of God as Adonai. But first, I've listed um, three other names of God because we're going to touch on those just briefly. And the first one, and I've listed the definitions there for you, but the first one is Elohim. And the name Elohim uh, represents the eternal, majestic God of love, power, and beauty. This is the heart of God who loves us. And then next I have listed um, El Shaddai, or Shaddai. And literally, this is God of the uncultivated fields, or God Almighty, the God who will lead, train, and chasten his sons. And then we have uh, Yahweh Jehovah. And the capacity of his name here um, means the forevermore existing and eternal mind of God, his plan, and his purpose. And so um, the first thing I want to talk about, and I wanted to list those because we'll touch on those a little bit, but the, um, the first thing I want to talk about is Yahweh unknown to the patriarchs. And um, get my notes straight out, straightened out here. So first I want to read Exodus 6, verse 2. I'm going to have to put these on. Exodus 6, 2. And God, Elohim, spoke, spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord Jehovah Yahweh, and I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, Shaddai, but, my name, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them? And in my devotions one evening a couple of months ago or so, I read these two verses, and they kind of leaped off the page at me. And you know how it is um, when you're reading the Word, and you could have read a passage a hundred times or so, but that 101st time you read it, it kind of leaps off the page at you. And that's what happened when I read these two verses. And what was notable to me was verse 3, where it says, I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, or Shaddai, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. Think about that. Um, they knew God as Shaddai, the Almighty One who led them, the One who trained them, 
and the one who sustained them because of his love for them. But they didn't know him as Jehovah Yahweh, or Jehovah or Yahweh, those names are interchangeable, the forevermore existing and eternal mind of God, his plan and his purpose. So they didn't know him in the way we do, like, like we know him in, in the way of the fivefold, what we, what's known to us as the fivefold, um, which is, you know, his mind, the way he thinks. Um, they did not know him in that way. And um, as El Shaddai to them, Abram was called to leave his homeland, and he wandered at the direction of God, of God Almighty, or Shaddai. He trained them, he chastened them, and sustained them because of his love for them. Um, when Yahweh is translated in Scripture as the Lord, it's depicting the operational aspects of the will of God. And I quoted that from Line Up Online by Stacy Maston. Plug there. <laughs> so God, in this passage, um, God who is Elohim, or the heart of God, was telling Moses that he was not able to know the patriarchs conversationally as Yahweh. Yahweh was there, and he appeared to Abraham as Yahweh, but he was unable to address specific kingdom issues with these ones in their time frame. And so they did not know him conversationally as Yahweh. And known in verse 3 is the Hebrew word yada. And then quoting again from line upon line, Yada stems from the root word yad, meaning hand. It is translated as thanks, praise, conf and confess in the Old Testament, meaning to hold out the hand or to throw away. This term is especially used in worship as a point of emphatic adoration and submission to God, but can also be utilized in demonstrations of heartfelt contrition. Yada is a re revelatory thing. And when we begin to talk about God, or talk to God about what he has done, he will reveal new things to us. In other instances, it communicates the desire for God to use our arms and hands to partner with him in the miraculous. So these patriarchs were unable to partner with Yahweh and his eternal plan and purpose. They didn't talk to God about the things that he had done and then receive new revelations from God to move forward like we do today. And, you know, when I was, just as an aside, when I was growing up, um, I used to think how cool it would have been if we had uh, been born during the times of the patriarchs or the disciples because with the patriarchs it just seemed, in my mind as a kid, that, wow, God just... They just talked to God, and he talked back all the time. But then, and then as the disciples, I thought how cool it was for them that Jesus, they walked with Jesus on the earth. And, but, you know, as you grow older and you begin to realize um, the things that they went through, the things they endured, it's like, thank you, Lord, that I wasn't born back then. And, um, um, and especially in the time frame that um, where we know God or we know um, the Lord 
as saints and sons, um, I'm especially thankful that all of us here uh, in, in the Saints Network were born in this time frame um, in, a, in, in a time frame where that we can commune with God about what he wants to accomplish in the earth and partner with him in that. And for, to me, um, this is the greatest time to be alive. And I truly believe, you know, as Esther was, you know, uh, as was said of Esther, we were born for such a time as this. And um, God does lead us as El Shaddai, but we also get to know him in the capacity of all his names. And we have the honor and the privilege to serve and partner with God as Yahweh in our day. Um, so, um, though we get to partner with, with him in every aspect of, of his names, uh, the 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 capacity of his name that I want to talk about today, as, as is the title, is Adonai. And uh, I put on your sheet the definition for Adonai, uh, which is the God who positions us according to our created calling and assignment. And y'all feel free to speak up anytime. <laughs> I'm trying to go slowly because I always breeze through in 15 minutes, so I'm trying to go slow. Um, but the main point of our discussion today is our placement and our positioning according to our created calling and assignment, and which is depicted in the name of God as known as Adonai. Uh, quoting from Pastor's book, The Name, and this is where I took this teaching from. Um, and like I said, it was because I was focused on this because of that first verse I read in Exodus that said that, the patriarchs were not, um, they did not know God as Yahweh. And we have such a privilege today to know him in that capacity. Um, but quoting from Pastor's book, Adonai speaks of the relationship existing between the people of God and the authority of the Almighty. And interestingly, Adon is the um, etymological cousin of the name Eden. The literal meaning of Eden is that of a base wherein pegs were strategically marked or inserted. And the extended meaning entailed the securing of strength due to this tactical placement of the pieces implanted into the base. And when we see the name Adonai, um, these are the things that we must think of. Uh, we must think that God has an eternal plan uh, each person was created with the opportunity to serve God according to this plan. God greatly desires to see each of us find our calling within our, our ordained plan in the plan, place in the plan. And finally, we seek him in order to submit ourselves to our place therein. Now, this is what God intended for mankind from the very beginning. That's what he intended um, when he placed Adam and Eve in the garden. And Eden was to be the start of the revelation of partnership between God and mankind. 
And God spent time with Adam and Eve um, in the depth of his love as Elohim and the, in the power of his Ruach. And we can recall from our studies concerning Ruach, um, and I think I put this definition on your sheet as well, um, Ruach is the Hebrew word meaning the person of God. And when the Ruach of God comes upon a person, an anointing is activated or imparted to represent the very person of God. The Ruach in, will invigorate and direct the individual in partnership with the purpose of God. Um, so continuing um, from uh, Pastor's book, The Name, um, God communed with Abraham, and, or Abraham, with Adam and Eve, and he taught them his ways. And we don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us how long this process ensued before the rebellion of Adam and Eve, but there had to have been a significant uh, work accomplished within the spirit realm and upon the earth um, at that time. And we still live on the same earth. And the structure of the plan of God with all of its deposits and structural lines still remains intact today. And they were perfect in their conception and institution. And God still wants to utilize us in the establishment of his plan for his footstool. So we must still love and learn in his heart. But our placement uh, by Adonai is to work for the Lord in this Eden that is still possible. Um, the inclination within the heart of God for us extends to this day for that work. Um, we're going to look at the first usage of Adonai, and it's found in Genesis 15, verse 2. And Abram said, Lord God, Adonai Yahweh, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. So this first usage of Adonai was when Abram inquired of Adonai as to when a son would be born to him in order for the lineage of God to be continued. But God answered, God didn't answer him in the capacity of Adonai. He answered him in the capacity of El Shaddai because he was intent upon teaching Abram the value of faith and patience that would lead to the acquiring of, of the promise. And we know that Abraham um, was the father of all who walked in faith, and El Shaddai led him through those things that would produce that faith in him. Um, and yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. <laughs> But they did try to to promote their own lineage through Eliezer. Eli, was it, is it Eliezer? Mm -hmm. And um, because she said, well, you know, well, since we can't have any children, I'm gonna go ahead and get with him, and then <coughs> we can start this process. So you have, even though they had to wait so many years, they just 
you know, they still had issues with believing and trusting that it was going to happen because they tried to do it in their own way, right? Which is why they had an entire other arm, you know, um, that did not get to walk in the promise. But he was blessed, right? He had his own land and all that, but he wasn't the promise. He wasn't what God had promised him. And so I guess it's just important to realize that we just look at Abraham as someone who did it. We don't look at him as a person who didn't do it the right way the whole time. Right. And he did question, and he did. And it could have been because that old stinking woman. I mean, it's always the woman. <laughs> yeah, Amen. Hey, I'm the woman, I can say it. But, you know, she must have been like, you, can't. you know, what's going on? We can't have this kid. You know, maybe I should sleep with this other fella. And so, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. You know, there there's going to be challenges when you're walking that, that apostolic walk of faith mm-hmm. and the patience that you have to exhibit and not try to do things in your own strength because no matter what you do and what you can accomplish in your own strength, as you can see, that was not the promise. He wasn't cursed for it. You know, that lineage was still blessed, but that still was not the fulfillment of what God had promised. And so it's so important that we wait and that we trust mm-hmm. and we don't try to do things in our own strength in our own way. Right. And he's even... Trying, I mean, God, seriously. Mm-hmm. If he said he was going to do it through them, he was going to do it through them. Right. And that's, you know, as El Shaddai, he was leading them and teaching them, you know, the patience <laughs> and, and to believe what God had said. And, you know, we can look at our walk from the beginning of, what, 1996? Um, you know, we we waited patiently over the years for God's timing for when he finally began to send us forth apostolically. Well, the funny thing is, you think about that, 22 years ago, we didn't know what plan and purpose was. Mm-mm. We really didn't. I mean, conceptually, just like any Christian might understand that concept, mm-hmm. but walking that, really understanding how he's going to lead us and what he's going to do, I mean, certainly we still don't know how things are going to come about. Right. We still don't know the fullness. But we have an understanding of adhering ourselves to, you know, staying put, continuing to pray. You know, don't don't go to the left or the right. You know, mm-hmm. don't try to do these other things in your own strength. And, and just by the process of living it, have we learned it, really. Right, right. But I think it's interesting. We know that the people that we're teaching are benefiting from what we have experienced. Mm-hmm. It still doesn't replace experience. You know, they right. still have to submit to the plan for them and they still have to go through the fire of knowing what it means to wait when man, you know, you want it to happen. You now. know, you don't understand why you're waiting or whatever. They mm-hmm. still have to walk it. Mm-hmm. But we're able to explain things that we actually didn't know 20 years ago when we started praying. Mm-hmm. We really didn't know a whole lot 20 years ago, folks. Mm-hmm. We didn't. But God really, and that's probably why we had such a strong anointing to intercede, because we did it just for the purpose of interceding and being with Him. There was no agenda. We didn't have anything we were going for. You we just I mean? knew that um, we were seeking the Lord we just for whatever the Lord He and wanted. We didn't know what the turnout was mm-hmm. going to be, just that we got to be with Him. And that's really an interesting beginning. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like we were in an incubator for what, the first seven or so years or more? Um, it was like we were in that incubator and, um, you know, I, God in the, in the capacity of Shaddai was leading us and he was teaching us that patience 
and to bring us to the point of um, where we could then begin to commune with him to seek his heart for what he wanted to do on the earth and, and our partnership in that. And, um, and then, you know, as we began to do that, you know, his revelation came as we just started to do what we were, felt led that he said to do. And then he revealed, he brought that revelation of what we were doing. And um, I also think it's important that the people, they're going to understand also the, the importance of placement earlier in their walk, whereas we, I mean, years, and really, we did not know in what place we belonged. And there was a lot of, there was a confusion, but that's not the word. Confusion is not the word, but there was a lot of um, probably inner strife within each of us as we tried to figure out where we were placed, how we were going to, you know, what God, how God wanted to place us. Right. And he used that to refine us because, mm -hmm. you know, whatever ideas we had about ourselves, whatever we thought we wanted to do or needed to do, I mean, he really kept us on a tight rein, mm -hmm. and we had to walk through that as well. But I think that, you know, the people that we're going to be teaching in the nations, you know, they're not going to have 20 years to have that same, you know, that same walk. I think they're going to come into a lot of that understanding a lot quicker. They still have to do it, and they'll still be refining in that and training in that. It's not that they forego those things. Mm -hmm. But we did it the long way. For a reason, right? So I we just don't think that they're going to have to do it the same way. They're going to mm -hmm. understand that. Look, coming into this, you know, God's going to make it pretty clear what the placement is of the folks. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly, as you walk, it always He's always doing something according to His plan that brings you into something new. It's not that you never do anything new, mm -hmm. but the jockeying and trying to figure out who's going to be what. I mean, we were all just kind of thrown into a pot, weren't we, Tammy? I mean, just think about it as intercessors. <laughs> And dancers and on the you know worship team or inter, you know the prayer teams that we had I mean they just took everybody there and said okay you're all gonna do this <laughs> and we all just learned as little children because mm -hmm. we you know. were all eager to but do then, those things started falling away and then there was just you know you know one person one person's a leader everyone else is just here you know I mean it's just really mm -hmm. it's really changed a lot yeah and we've had to accept who we are right and how god wants to use us in this season again it's just not forever mm -hmm. it's just the place where he's training us and it's yeah. just interesting yeah and you know and two it was like all of a sudden we we didn't fit in with this denomination and we weren't a part of another group or whatever and we we learned though that we were god's people and we answered to him, and um, and I, you know, we have the best walk ever. Mm -hmm. And the people that were, the nations that were being sent into, I think for those uh, ones, that um, they're, even though they may not have to walk through everything we went through to to learn and to develop, they still have to receive what they're being taught you know when we teach these new revelations that are not new to us anymore um, but that we've walked and learned and gleaned as we teach other nations they still have to accept it so there there is a you know something on their part where they're okay. going to have to you know it's going to take require something on their part to to accept it 
and to um, be willing to to go through things and learn things like we did, but maybe not to the degree that we had to. So thank you for that input, Stacy. <laughs> I think that was about five minutes. I think Trisha had something to add. <laughs> Hold on, Trisha, a second. Okay. I'll give you a few. <laughs> um, and so anyone being trained and developed by Adonai will have to learn how to stand with faith wherever they're assigned. So um, that was true for us, and it's going to be true for the nations uh, to whom we will go and teach. Um, in Exodus uh, 23, verse 17, we see a requirement of God for all of the males to gather before him three times a year as Adonai Yahweh, and the God who establishes and places people according to his eternal plan. So we're going to start with verse 14 of, of Exodus 23. Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of un unleavened bread, Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded thee, in the time appointed of the month Abib. And I looked that up, and it's really pronounced Aviv, <laughs> but for the sake of our vowel consonants and vowels here, I'm going to say Abib. Um, for in thou camest, for in it thou camest out from Egypt, and uh, and none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. Three times in the year all thy males shall appear before the Lord God, and that's Adon Yahweh. So each gathering was a feast. The first was the feast of unleavened bread that we know um, in the New Testament as the Passover. Then there was the Feast of the Harvest, or First Fruits, which we know as Pentecost, and then the Feast of Ingathering, which um, is represented in the New Testament by tabernacles. And these were the principles of Adonai, and they are still principles for us today. And the term feast came from the Hebrew word chag, and we're all very familiar with this word because, um, you know, we've walked this walk of saints uh, all these years. And, um, and this is the essence of the calling of the saints, and, um, which is hagios in the New Testament. Adonai called his people together to find their place in the restoration of his beautiful plan. They were to gain a fresh word from God, and this is the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Um, they were to gain a fresh word from God, unleavened, meaning not intermingled with the past or with any device of the thoughts of man. Secondly, um, they were to be faithful in the process of its development while sowing first fruits of the harvest to God, which we know as Pentecost. And then thirdly, um, they were to demonstrate a willingness to keep moving forward in faith, ready to go forward again and again on behalf of what, what God commands. And this is that apostolic uh, calling. 
Then continuing in verses 20 to 22 of Exodus 23, um, we see see that the angel of God was sent to lead and direct. So... um, Verses 20 to 22 read, or starting with verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. So we can, we can see, we can look at the years and see that this is what God has done with us. And from the very beginning, our walk as saints, um, in our walk as saints, God sent his angels to minister to us. And as we go out, his angels go before us to lead and direct us into those places that God has prepared for us. And, you know, in the very beginning, uh, you know, it was common that angels would just show up here. And, and they still do. Um, but in the beginning, it was just like, you know, influx of the angelic and um, and even today you know the Lord goes before and I mean there's, there have been many instances where the angels have gone before us and they, they will go to a place and, and be there when a team arrives so the angels are still leading and directing us we're we're partnering you know as the word says um the ministering angels were sent to you know minister with us and and us with them and we we continue to see that um as we do go forward and then continuing on in verse 21 it says beware of him the angel and obey his voice, provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then will I be an enemy unto thine enemies, and an adversary unto thine adversaries. I want us to look at this because, um, first of all, it says the angel has the name of God within him. And whatever the name of God insists on accomplishing, accomplishing um, this angel is dedicated to that task and um, notice that it says that this angel would not tolerate divergence from the divine commission and so um, his angels are sent to lead and guide us so that we don't deviate from his plan um Moving on to the the next section, I've entitled Moses, Aaron, and the Leaders of Israel. In chapter 24 of Exodus, God called Moses, Aaron, and the leadership of Israel to meet with him at the throne in heaven, or at his throne in heaven. And today, God still calls us to meet with him on this same basis. And when we come together to pray, we're going before the throne and praying in diversities of tongues as we are before his throne, we are speaking those mysteries of God, and this commune yields the unleavened word from God, which always aligns with his scriptures. And then next, he develops in us skill and giftings in the fields of service to him, 
and as the field of planting and harvest, yielding his promise. And then he directs us to that new horizon as we prepare to move forward through the wilderness in our tabernacles of faith. So we, we can see uh, those principles of the feasts applied here. Um, and then looking back at Exodus 23, verse 13, um, God told them, In all things that I have said unto you, be circumspect, and make no mention of the name of other gods, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. So we know how important it is as a prophetic people um, to guard our words and everything that we say. Um, but then going back to chapter 24 of Exodus, the elders returned from meeting with God, and they told Moses that he could visit God alone going forward. Um, and, and then that they wanted Moses to meet with God and then tell them everything that God had said. And they rejected that com continued commune with the Almighty God himself. They began to murmur and they complained about the pathway that God had chosen. They began to embrace other spiritual influences which caused them to be tinged by demonic impurities. They embraced the very demons God told them to avoid. And the momentum of their service to God was corrupted as was the passion of their heart toward him and him only. Does this sound like anything that's going on today? I think it does. You know, we, we have those who, um, there are those who have began, have begun to accept um, strange teachings and um, they're em embracing demonic teachings when the word of God says to avoid them. And they're allowing other spiritual influences to impact who they are and distract them and take them off course. The elders did not obey God's commandment and his plan that he had for them. They rejected the will of Yahweh. And after 40 days of intercession for them, Moses spoke to Adonai concerning the purpose and placement that these people had rejected. And God will speak to us. He'll lead us and he'll train us. And he, he'll detail our placement because he has a plan for us and for his eternal work. Looking at uh, David and Adonai, in Psalm 86, David appealed to God, crying out to him and lifting up his soul to Adonai. And the insistent, insistence upon what God desires to do is essential to our walk of grace and supplication. His wisdom leads us to accomplish his tobe purpose throughout the world. We know that wisdom is taking his light into the darkness to penetrate the darkness of rebellion and of undeveloped possibility at the behest of 
the will of God. And this is commissioned and overseen by Adonai. We have been in a year of grace and soon we'll be moving into a year of wisdom of taking his light into the darkness. And this will be overseen by Adonai. <coughs> Psalm 86, 9 says that all nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship, or shakah, which is the same as proskuneo in the New Testament, shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, Adonai, and shall glorify thy name. And then in uh, the final thing that I want to say is about is for us today, as a people created with a unique calling, we have a job to do for the sake of the kingdom of God. We have been commissioned to take this divine message to the nations. We lay our lives down where God has called us and we intercede for his kingdom to come and his divine will to be done. When we offer ourselves in this manner, the glory of the Lord is our reward. His glory comes to depict the will of God and to cover the ambassadors of his appointed will. We, we know from the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness that there are deposits of glory in every nation in, and kingdom on the earth. And, <clears throat> and these await the coming of the sons of God commissioned and directed by Adonai. And one of my favorite verses is that verse that talks about how that uh, creation groans and creation waits for us to come, for the sons of God to come. And uh, <coughs> I don't know, I just love that, that verse. But, um, but the nations and the kingdoms of the earth um, await the coming of the sons of God. And, and, and it's as we're commissioned uh, and directed by Adonai. Um, the commissioning of God is imparted and sustained by intimate fellowship with God Almighty. Our desire is to commune with him, to listen to his heartbeat, and to discern any word that he might speak. This God who directs and commissions us as Adonai is also the Elohim of great love who has won our hearts for eternity. Um, so that concludes my teaching for today. Does anybody else have, or Stacy, do you have any more? I think Trisha, she looked like she was really wanting to, uh, to uh, weigh in. Stacy said Trish has a comment. <laughs> no, I, excellent. Thank you. I, I'm looking at something right now that, uh, that really stood out to me. What did you say about the month? Um, what did you, mm -hmm. you said something about that, but I just thought that was interesting because <coughs> of the, it's it's talking about. Um, I mean, some of the words that it uses is green and a young ear of grain, and just that that early, I guess, beginning of a harvest. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was interesting. And then when you looked at the, the word of I don't know if you said that it was because it is the month of Exodus and Passover, but. I, I, 
Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't write for the definition of it. Um, I'm just looking at it a little deeper. I don't. I just think it's kind of interesting the description of that. Um, I mean, you know, it, the verse does say that it was the time appointed. Yeah. That was the time appointed <coughs> that month. <coughs> I just never heard, I mean, the way it describes it, of a greening of crop. Mm -hmm. So what is greening of crop? I mean, it's a month of it. Of where it's forming, where it's um, it's a young. It says it's not maize. It's not already formed, but yeah. I just like the description where it talks about how it's the greening of a crop and of growing green of the. Yeah, and I did look at it a little bit, um, and what I read was that that greening, and it, and it described an ear of corn when it was in its green, the beginning when it was green, and. Um, and I, and I did notice, too, that this month, because uh, I thought it might be a month of harvest, but it's that green and it, greening, it's that beginning, and it's actually, um, it talks about this month being April or March. So it's at the very beginning of, of that. So, good point, Trish. I don't know if there's a connection or not, but, you know, the greening comes from a dead seed. And the connection, I'm trying to see if there's a connection in my mind about Abraham, uh, who was dead in seed, and then here came Isaac. Mm-hmm. True. And so, if there's a connection this morning for us to consider, mm -hmm. um, because we, we were not dead. But we were unknown in the, I mean, let me reverse that. The spirit was unknown to us. He knew us. Mm -hmm. But the spirit was unknown to us. And in a sense, um, we were dead in that area. And then the greening began to come mm -hmm. from the dead seed. Kind of like. Which is how God does mm -hmm. things many times. Mm -hmm. Um he did that with our salvation, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when the patriarchs didn't know God um, as Yahweh, didn't know him as that conversational um, God that would get speak his heart to them, and then they'll move forward in what he wanted done. Um, that w That's kind of that greening. I mean, they were dead to who he was as Yahweh, um, or yeah. that conversational. They didn't have that type of conversation that we do today to glean his heart um, and to move forward in, in what he reveals. I think that may be why there was a grace with Abraham because they did try to take matters into their own hands. Mm -hmm. And um, but again, you've got that that God Almighty that is really insisting on the plan being fulfilled. And so in, instead of even 
um, you know, there being a repercussions of them taking that, you know, the matter into their own hands, trying to create that, that lineage. Um, you know, God didn't deal with them that way, probably because there wasn't the same type of intimacy that we have today. Mm -hmm. Because I think if there's one thing that can not damn a person, but can lead you down an alternate path, is if you are trying to create a scenario to fulfill the plan of God. Mm -hmm. Or if you're if you're not willing to die to yourself, like Dennis was saying. Because mm -hmm. there is, you know, the one thing, the other thing we've had to do before there's been any kind of breakthrough is that we've had to die to ourselves and our agenda. Mm -hmm. And so how we want to see it come about, you know, another Brownsville, I mean, whatever our ideas were, or even, you know, when we first started going to the nations, you're thinking, oh, it's just going to explode from here because we're going out and teaching, so, you know, there's just going to be abundance of fruit, which there wasn't. There's a little fruit. There were... There were connections made that were divine, you know, mm -hmm. God raising up people to do a certain work to help and come alongside the saints, mm -hmm. but not, you know, not massive numbers and all this, you know, major thing going. So, again, dying to the agenda in order for a rebirth of something that God wants to create. Right. You're not going to see that happen unless you let go of your own agenda. And I think if you don't, if you're unwilling to do that, I do think that can take you down the path of error. I think it puts mm -hmm. you in a position to be deceived mm -hmm. or to begin to welcome another, you know, another truth because you're wanting one that supports what you want to do. Right. You know, so you, it's, it's kind of the, where we are today, it's not that we don't have a grace, it's that whom much is given, much is required. You go into a particular pathway of relationship with the Father, then it's not just, you can't, it can't be business as usual. Right. You know, either you're, you've, you've absolutely accepted the plan, you've absolutely let go of your own thoughts about it, and you begin to accept the way He is leading you, and whatever that means, the challenges, you know, the things that don't look the way they're supposed to, you think they're supposed to look. This doesn't look like it's, I remember him giving me this promise. This doesn't look anything like that promise is coming about. <laughs> it looks more like, you know, I'm really put in a position that that can never happen. And to, seriously, folks, this is the way God is moving. Mm -hmm. And you see it even in the Old Testament. It always just, Abraham, this looks impossible. Yeah. I mean, 20 years. How many years was it that they waited after they gave, they were given the, I can't remember, I, I don't have, you know, I can't remember what I studied. It's, it's something, you know. It was a long time. It was a very long time. And um, so it's the only way to completely die to your own agenda is for God to show that there's, there's absolute, you know, lack. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no way for you to make this thing happen. Um, the, you're going to see my hand move and you're going to know for a fact that I'm the one that's moving you forward. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something that you've been able to engineer in your own strength one way or another. And I think he does that. I think he removes that from us so that when things do happen, there is it's such all. a confidence, mm -hmm. there's such a surety, there's such a knowing that it is his plan and it's something that he's brought about. And that's it's, where our faith comes in. I mean, he wants us to trust him and 
walk in that faith that knowing that he's the one that's going to have to to make things happen and um and and we're seeing that you know a lot of times i think we you know we're human we we sometimes think oh well if i help god here then this can you know move forward or whatever or this must be what he means yeah i mean i wonder i wonder if sarah wasn't thinking that well maybe he meant that i was supposed to be you know and do this Oh, it wasn't that she slept with someone. She let him be with a handmaiden. That's what it was. Yeah. Abraham slept with a handmaiden. If I only had a brain. But anyway, um, so that's what happened. So, yeah, if you'll just sleep with the handmaiden, then we can get this going. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. just, Look you know. At, we're still affected by that. Yeah. Israel. I know. And I, it's like, if I only had a brain. But um, <laughs> I'm working on it. I mean, the Lord is, you know, I need a memory. But anyway, um, it's a big book. <laughs> <laughs> it's a book. So many, so many details, Tammy. So many characters. So many details. <laughs> anyway, we get. But the point is, is that you know, we we get those ideas in our head, thinking, well, maybe that's what he meant. Mm-hmm. And we're not. We're doing it innocently. It's not that we're actually trying to, you know, forge our own path. We just think that, you know, oh, you know, we could do this. That was pretty common back then. I mean, they were, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen, but they did that all the time. Yeah, and look at, I mean, we're still affected by what they did, you know. And uh, so anyway, it's just interesting. It is interesting. Well, it's, 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 there's, it's a living reminder of, of um, what happens when we step out on our own mm-hmm. rather than following God's purpose yes. and uh, obeying the purpose. We have to be careful about how we say that and look at that because it's another, it's a group of people, you know, mm-hmm. and, and each <laughs> one of them can follow the Lord and find purpose uh, that He has for them. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it, we see it a lot in either churches who uh, where the pastor starts doing things on his own rather than following the Lord and then we see a difference when he follows the Lord mm-hmm. and you see a difference when you follow a good idea yeah. or if you follow the Lord's idea the I, Lord's went with a, I went just as an example I went with a uh, a friend uh, one one time to a pastor's conference and it was two days and he was a pastor, and they spent much of that time telling pastors how to prepare for their sermons. And you would begin on the Sunday right after your last sermon, and they, there was a daily schedule of things to do, and by Wednesday you had to be this far, and by Friday, Friday you had to be this far, Saturday, and then sometime on Saturday, <coughs> you would ask for the Lord's blessing on what you have prepared. And it just struck me as being so backwards. You start there, and then you do the rest. You know, and, and they're stepping out on their own every week, and then asking God to bless what they've already done. Bless my plan. Wait a minute. It's so backwards, we see it all the time. Yeah. And it draws people, but you know, 
Steaks can draw flies, so <laughs> it's not it's not Thank beneficial you. to the purpose. Um, in in many cases, not in every case, because people all find they find the Lord in those places as well, and we have right. to, we bless that. Right. But uh, it it doesn't fulfill its purpose, just as Abraham's mistake did not fulfill purpose. And it, and it keeps them in a particular realm without growth. I mean, they're really they're really um, stagnant because you're not going to go forward in that way. I mean, the only way you go forward is through the word of the Lord yeah. that creates that mm -hmm. path for you. And, you know, you think about it, if you think about pastor's messages over the last 22 years, I mean, it, talk about line upon line. If there's ever a definition of a line upon line, just the topics of his message has met us at our point of growth week to week to week to week. It was always something that we needed to know, mm -hmm. information that was to help us to grow, to get through the season, or to explain a season that helped us to go into the next, you know, it was just, I mean, I, and it, and it was applicable to all of us, even though we were all in a slightly different place and being developed in different ways, because God does that. He does that individually with us. But still, the message was applicable mm -hmm. to every single one of us. Yeah. And that, to me, was one of the most miraculous things that I have witnessed, is to see this body grow together. And you know, there's no gimmicks. You think about, it, you go to a lot of places and they have these catchphrases, they have things they like to say to catch people's attention or to get them excited. And they're not even words that are in the Bible, they're just terms that they come up with to they may to describe something maybe that's scriptural, but they're just trying to really get the people excited. And we just do not have any gimmicks. I mean, God, Pastor does not say anything that doesn't come out of the Word. He doesn't come up with some new terms. He doesn't make stuff up. Everything he calls com comes straight out of the Scripture. Mm -hmm. And I just think that, that is amazing. Yeah, and, and our excitement, you know, it's more genuine because... Our excitement comes from communing with the Lord and listening to what's on his heart, to know what he wants us to partner with him in, and then acting upon that. And that's where our excitement comes from. And, you know, we don't have to hear some gimmicky phrase or word to get us excited. We get excited when we meet with the Lord. And, um, you know, in the early days when, when things were really vibrant um, we couldn't wait to get here so that we could worship and then commune with the Lord I mean but that's where that's where our identity comes from that's you know we get excited about that but it's it's genuine it's not because somebody said something it's because of the Lord has drawn us to that place and um, made us lovers of him and chasers after him and and what he wants to do so he you know he speaks to us and um Him. 
I mean, he put that in there, and yeah. it was, you know, you're describing it in, 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 in different ways, but it was, it was incredible. And it still is. It's just different now. Right. It's different because we've, we're, we've matured. We're, yeah, and you know, our maturity grown. level is, is much deeper now. But mm -hmm. um, just speaking about those, those two things to people, um, there are a lot of people in churches, even today, they don't, that, that hunger that, that, that the Lord gave to all of us, and we won't, I mean, I think every person has the capability where God can ignite that within them. But he needs to see some type of, um, for, for us, I remember, and I will ref reflect way back, but it was, we were at a point where we were desperate. I mean, we were, we were really, you know, just tired of the, the, the mundane and mm -hmm. going there and sitting there and you know, going through all the motions. And I believe the Lord, in His eyes, He sees that. Mm -hmm. And then that's when He begins to visit people. But the hunger and the thirst after the righteousness, the righteous vision mm -hmm. is, man, that is just, that's an incredible thing to feel inside your spirit and yeah. to really pursue the Lord. And, and I just pray that that will continue. For us and the places we go, whenever we speak, that's some of the things that you want people to uh, receive from the Lord. Mm -hmm. That means that hunger and that thirst after Him. Yeah, as 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 we speak, we want that to be imparted yeah. to them, so that they can come alongside and pursue and pursue the Lord in the same way. Um, good comment. Well, it is ten o'clock. Um, Thank you, everybody, for your uh, attention and for your comments. And um, and I, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to be circumspect. And, um, Father, just to, to have that purity in our hearts to follow you and you only. And, Father, help us and keep us on the path that you have called us to. And, um, Lord, help us to follow in... Uh, be obedient to you in your capacity as Adonai to, to stay in that place and that position that you've called us to and so that we can move forward in you. And we just thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.